Are you a counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply? Then you, lovely person, are in the right place because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi, how are you doing? Great to see you again. And if you're new here, welcome aboard. I'm so glad that you found us. How's your day going? Now, I'm recording this just at the time that the schools are finishing for the day. So Kim, my dog, might make an appearance because she likes to bark at people going past the fence. So we've got that to look forward to. And also, (laughs) what's just happened is the red arrows. Now, if you don't know the red arrows, the red arrows are the like the formation flyers. So it's the planes that all fly in formation in the UK. Uh, They're now practicing right over my house. So if they go past, it's going to make a lovely noise. So let's see how we get on. So today we're going to demystify a few marketing terms. Every industry, every topic, every niche has its fair share of jargon. And counsellors have things like humanistic, person-centred, integrative. You know, there's all sorts of words that are like specific to us. And it's the same with marketing. So there's already so much to juggle as a private practitioner that the very last thing you want to do is to worry about having to wrap your head around all of this lingo that you keep hearing. So today I want to try and make it easier for you. So I've rounded up 10 key terms and phrases that you need to know if you run a private practice. And also (laughs) I've done it in alphabetical order. So I'm giving myself a bit of a pat on the back and I have no idea why because it doesn't matter but it's in alphabetical order. Okay let's get started. So number one content. What What is content? When you hear people talking about content what is it they're actually referring to? Now according to the dictionary content is and I quote a type of marketing that involves the creation and sharing of online material such as videos, blogs, and social media posts that does not explicitly promote a brand, but is intended to stimulate interest in its products or services. So we're talking here about videos, blogs, social media posts, podcasts as well, that's included too. So content means producing something that communicates with people. So this could mean your social media posts, could mean a workshop if you produce those, it could mean live or pre-recorded video too. So anything where you're communicating with people. And number two is content marketing. So obviously this is a to do with the content. So content marketing is where you share that content content that that you've produced in order to, well, in order to, yes, help people, but also to be seen, to connect with people, to stand out and to be seen as an expert or get yourself noticed. Now, basically, this is educational, not promotional. So, for example, if you produce a blog post that's called five apps to help you to get to sleep quicker, if you produce that, 
rather than posting things on social media that say, can't sleep, come to me for counselling, you can see the difference there. So you're providing truly relevant and useful content to help people. Now, if you know me at all, you'll know that I talk a lot about helping instead of selling. I've even done workshops called How to Grow Your Business by Helping Instead of Selling. Because content marketing, producing content instead of advertising really works. And it really is good for us as counsellors who don't like the thought of having to sell ourselves, having to be salesy. It just makes us feel really icky. Is that you? Do you feel like that? Then content marketing is the way forward. So content and content marketing is basically producing relevant, useful, interesting, helpful, and sometimes fun things for people to read, watch, or listen to. Basically, it's what we do in 2021 to attract clients. So as I say, if you're worried about having to sell yourself, then, then worry no more. Just help people and you'll stand out and get noticed. And of course, if you want to start blogging or using social media, but don't know where to start, or you already use social media or blogging, but you want to get really improve the results, there's lots of courses available for you in the Grow Your Private Practice Club. So number three is copy. Have you heard people talk about copy before? So copy is basically text. So if you were writing on your website, what you write on your website is called copy. And if you get someone to help you with what you put on your website, that person is called a copywriter. So they write copy. So yeah, basically copy is anything that's for written consumption. Now, number four is CTA. So you might see this phrase around, it's CTA, which stands for call to action. Now, this is something that you include at the end of some content to let people know what to do next. And calls to action or CTAs are an important part of content marketing. So really what you're saying is, if you like what you just consumed, so if you like what you just saw or listened to or read, then here's the next step. And the call to action is going to be different in different places. So for example, if you're on your website, imagine somebody's just read the whole of the about page on your website and they get to the bottom and there's nothing there. It's just like, oh, this is, this is everything to do with me. And they get to the bottom. What you need to do is let them know what you want them to do next. So you need to guide the client to the next step. So in this case, if somebody's just read the whole of your about page, they're probably quite interested in contacting you. So the call to action in that case would be something like, if you're ready to take the next step, contact me now. And then you would put a link or your phone number or your email address. Now, if you write a blog, you need to have a call to action at the bottom of every blog post, every single blog post. And so this means that when they get to the end of the blog post, you don't just leave them hanging. So you might say something like, if this is something you struggle with, meaning the, you know, the content that's in the, in the blog. So if you've written a blog about sleep, you might say, so if sleep is something you really struggle with, contact me now and see how I can help. So you change your call to action at every blog. So whatever the subject of the blog is, you then turn that into something to do with the call to action. 
So a call to action on a social media post would be slightly different again. So on a social media post, you want to increase engagement, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So to encourage people to comment on your social media posts, finish with a simple call to action like this. You could just say, agree, disagree, let me know in comments. So just something really simple that's inviting them to leave a comment, letting them know that actually you'd really like to know what they think about what you've just written. Or it could be something more direct, like if this resonated with you, drop me a DM and see how I can help. Although you'd only really, you'd be quite sparing in the amount of times that you have like a direct, you know, a more direct call to action, like contacting you to come and get some counselling with you. And on your email signature, you could be saying something like, come and connect with me on Instagram or come and connect with me on whatever social media platform you've got. Or you could say, come and read my latest blog post and put a link in there. So at the end of your website, at your blog, at the end of your social media post, on your email signature, everywhere, you will always give them a next step that goes with, you know, what they've just consumed. Now, this is something that because you're doing it on a lot of things, I find that it's a good idea to keep a record of ideas for calls to action. So that means that if I've just finished a social media post and I'm not really sure what call to action to put on there and I'm like, haven't got, you know, I'm just not feeling inspired, I can check my list and pick something appropriate. So either when you see other people's calls to action and you think, wow, that's good, make a note of it and tweak it, make it something that's yours. Or, you know, when you've when you get some ideas, just jot them down. So always use a call to action on anything that you write. So number five is engagement. Now, engagement is the main metric that we look at on social media these days. What the platforms want is a conversation. So they encourage us to produce content that stimulates that conversation. So engagement is getting likes, comments and shares. And the one we're really aiming for is getting comments. Now, I remember back in the day, and I started out as a counsellor in 2005, which was actually not that long after Facebook first started. And oh my God, it was so much, it was so much easier back then on social media. Pretty much you could post a pretty quote image and everybody that was following you would see it. I mean, how brilliant is that? It's not like that now. Or you could do something like schedule a month's worth of social media posts in advance and never even set foot in the platform. And that would all be fine. But, you know, it's not 2005 anymore. And in order to harness the power of social media, which remember, social media is totally free to use, then we have to learn a few simple rules. So now to make social media work for us, we post with the intention of getting comments on our posts and with the intention of responding back so that we start a con- we start a conversation and then also contribute to conversations so engagement is measured by how many likes comments and shares each social media post gets now if you're thinking well look jane that sounds like an awful lot of work well actually it really doesn't have to be The mistake many people have is thinking they need to be on all the social media platforms. And that's just not the case. You you really, really don't. 
one well-maintained platform done well with three quality posts a week, and that's absolutely fine. Now, I talk about this a lot in episode 42, so last week's episode, which is called Why Your Private Practice Should Not Be On Every Social Media Platform. And remember, I've got a comprehensive course called Social Media Made Simple, available in the Grow Your Private Practice Club, along with lots of workshops all about increasing your followers, writing short, simple posts that increase engagement, and lots more. So if you don't know what to say, if you don't know how to say it, please don't struggle on alone. This is just, these are just skills to learn. You know, it's not necessarily hard. It's just new. So get some help. You know, you don't have to do this yourself. Also, it's worth taking a listen to episode eight of the podcast, which is called What is Social Media Engagement and Why Do You Need to Know? And you can get a proper listen about you know, a bit more about engagement. So yeah, engagement is likes, shares, and most importantly, comments. So number six is ideal client. Now, this is the term that I use to describe someone that's the best type of client for you. Some people might call it an ideal client avatar. Now, I think that for therapists, this is something that can prove really tricky because we want to work with like everybody. But one of the best things you can do for your business is to have a niche and work with a specific target audience. Now, a niche is going to help you in so many ways. It's going to help you in your marketing. It's going to help you to choose your CPD. And it's going to be the thing that helps to make you stand out amongst a sea of other counsellors. So when you produce content, the content that you produce is going to be the sort of thing that resonates, helps and educates and informs your ideal clients rather than trying to produce general content in an effort to help everyone. Because there's a saying in marketing, try to attract everyone and you attract no one. So number seven is pain points. Now, pain points refer to the issues that people are struggling with. And that's the sort of thing that provokes them to go to counselling. Now, knowing your client's pain points is important because it's going to help you with your marketing. For example, very often people don't know that what they're struggling with is actually trauma or they won't know necessarily that it could be attachment issues or it might be down to a narcissistic mother. They may just have no idea the cause of why they're feeling the way that they do. So by talking about some of the issues and problems that these ideal clients have in your content, it means that you're going to start connecting with those ideal clients. So what are the things that are affecting them in their life right now? How is it impacting them? These are the pain points. So it could be something like they could be feeling really lonely. They could be really struggling with shyness. They might be going from one unsatisfactory relationship to another. Maybe they really struggle with trusting anybody. Maybe they drink too much or eat too much or, or you know, numb themselves by using something like that. Maybe they have lots of people-pleasing behavior or maybe they have a lack of boundaries. Could be, you know, all sorts of different things. But when you know what their pain points are, you can talk about these things in your marketing. And it makes what you post relatable to people 
it shows that you, oh, sorry, my tummy just rumbled. I hope you didn't hear that. I really need to get myself something to eat. <laughs> so yeah, this is what makes you more relatable. It shows that you have a really deep understanding of what it is that you're talking about and the issues that these, you know, ideal clients of yours will, will struggle with. And people will connect with that. They'll connect with that. They'll connect with you more. It will make you stand out. So, for example, if you put a post out there saying, do you say yes when you mean to say no? Try this simple reframe. And then you tell them what to do. That's going to really resonate with people. But a post that might be talking about something like childhood emotional neglect or trauma might not because they're not necessarily terms that the general public might understand. So can you see how much more relatable the first one is? Okay, so number eight is ideal outcome. Now, <laughs> I've veered away slightly from my, <laughs> from my alphabetical listing because this needs to come after pain points because they go together. So ideal outcome, this isn't necessarily a common term, but it's the one that I use and it's the polar opposite of the pain point. So imagine this, if your client finishes counselling and everything goes brilliantly and they get exactly what they want out of it, what are the differences that they're going to have in their life? What can they do now that they couldn't do before? It might be that they can maintain a relationship. They've learned to love themselves. They're able to set and maintain boundaries. They're able to accept themselves. It may mean that now they have the confidence to search for a different job or, you know, all of those things. Knowing what clients can hope to achieve through counselling is so important because this means that you can give hope to your clients. Now, you're not promising results, obviously, that's not ethical. And if you're at all worried about this, take a listen to episode 35, which is called, Can You Help Your Clients and Do They Know It? And I go up through that in detail and that'll put your mind at rest. So how do you find out what your ideal client's pain points and ideal outcomes are? Now, I devised something called the empathy exercise. And this is where you put yourself in the shoes of your ideal client and just imagine a day in their life. You imagine what it's like for them uh, waking up in the morning, going out to do whatever it is they do during the day, come home again, and you look at it in detail. And then what you do is you'll go through that whole, uh, that whole exercise again from the point of view of that same client, but once they've you know finished with counselling and got that ideal outcome. And then you use all the information that comes up in your marketing. Now, this is one of the first things that I get you to do if you join the Grow Your Private Practice Club. And also, if you want to learn a little bit more about the empathy exercise, you can have a look in the Grow Your Private Practice book, which is available on Amazon. Try it and you'll see what I mean, because it really is a game changer. OK, number nine is ROI, return on investment. Now, this is a great thing to bear in mind because in normal life, when we buy something, basically that money has gone. So if we buy, I don't know, if we buy a computer, then that's just money that goes out of your bank account. But if you buy a computer to use for your business, basically that computer is going to help you. It's going to help you to be more efficient, to save time, to do your marketing. So by having a computer, 
it's going to help you to bring more money into your practice. So if you take the Grow Your Private Practice Club, for example, there's a monthly fee. And currently, at the time of recording this, it's £35 a month. But being a member means that you have access to courses, to workshops, to question and answer sessions, to a supportive community and to different member offers as well. Now, if you take action on these in the club, and remember, if you join the Grow Your Private Practice Club, it's a little bit like a gym. You still have to do the work. So if you take action on the training that you do in the club, then you can expect to see a return on that investment. So what does this mean in practice? So if what you learn means that you get a new client and they stay with you for 12 weeks, then you've brought in £2,400. Now that is a pretty good return on your investment. Or put it another way, you just need to use what you learn to attract one client and they have eight sessions. And that will pay for you to be in the Grow Your Private Practice Club for a whole year. And imagine what you could learn in that time. So for me, I've invested in my business. So I'm in memberships. I have a coach. I have a VA. I have an IT guy. And the lovely Phil, who may or may not be listening to this, is the person who edits these for me. And it was initially incredibly scary because it was just felt like this is money that I haven't got. But each one of them has grown my business. They've all helped to grow my business in some way or another. So take, for example, Phil, who edits my podcasts. If I was trying to do this myself, well, well, I couldn't, basically. Well, I probably could if I really put my mind to it, but it'd take a whole lot of time and effort. And actually, I've not got a lot of time and I need my energy to devote to the members in the Grow Your Private Practice Club. So for me, I get a return on the, the investment that I put out there because it reduces my stress levels and helps me to work more efficiently. So when I wrote my book, so the Grow Your Private Practice book, I had a coach and my coach wasn't cheap, but without her and without her support and without her encouragement and without her skills and knowledge, I probably wouldn't have finished it because it's a really massive task. So with her help, I did finish it. And now I'm selling the book and I'm making that I've made that money back now. So although it felt like a lot when I was sort of paying for it, it helps me to make more money. And also remember, these things are business expenses and they can be set against your tax. <laughs> so don't forget that. And the last one, number 10, is SEO. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. And this means helping Google and other search engines to find you for the right things. So basically, it's how you let Google know what your website's about. Now, if you're not very techy, this is one of those things that kind of feels a little bit like a dark art, you know, that only very techy people know about. But I absolutely promise you, a little bit of information goes a very long way here. So simple things like the way that you name any images that you put on your website makes a difference. Using keywords in the, in the text that you put out there, in the copy that you put out there, formatting the pages on your uh, pages on your website and your blog post by using things like H1 and H2 headings and things like that. These all make a difference and are really, really simple to do. 
Now, SEO experts are usually pretty expensive and for most counsellors, not really necessary. So before you invest in anything like that, I want to give you two other options. If you're a member of the Grow Your Private Practice Club, there's a brilliant guest expert mastermind called SEO for Beginners with Sophie Woods. If you remember, go and check that out. It really, really is good. And if you're not yet a member, there's a really good free guide that I advise people to go and check out. And that is somebody called Kate Toon. And she's got something called SEO Nibbles. And I've got a link to that below. Watch either of these and they're going to give you loads of simple information that's going to really, really help you. Okay, so there you have it. 10 of the most used marketing terms that are going to be useful to you as a private practitioner. Now, I hope that this has provided a little clarity for you. If there's something I've missed out, please feel free to drop me an email, jane at janetravis.co.uk and let me know and I'll either answer it for you or I'll do another I'll do another podcast if there's if there's loads that I've forgotten I'll do another podcast so if you're new to marketing just remember to take your time keep an open mind and enjoy the process because marketing is a whole new skill and it's just the same as any other skill like learning to play the piano it's going to take some time and it's going to take some practice and if any of it sounds a bit daunting come and join us in the club We've got lots there to help you ready and waiting. So come along and join us. Okay, so that's it for today. I really hope that this has helped you. And I really hope that this has sort of made some sense of some of the terms that you might see out and about. Now, I'd love to connect with you. So the best places to find me are on Instagram. So there you have a look for at Grow Your Private Practice, which is all lowercase, no spaces. Or check me out on LinkedIn. Just do a search for Jane Travis. Come and say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Have a fantastic week. And I really look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye. Bye.